welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Mike. Hey! So today, we're talking Wheel of Time Season 2, Episode 3, which is titled... What Might Be. What Might Be. A little ominous title there going on, and you see exactly (laughs) why when we get into the episode here. But before we do that, let's give out the typical reminders. If you want to get in contact with the show on Instagram, we are at Fantasy Rewind Pod. On X, we are at Fantasy Rewind. Or you could send us an email, which is fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com. All right, without any farther delay, let's dive into this rewind. Fantasy Rewind. All right, Dylan, episode three, what are your thoughts? Well, my general thoughts, thoughts were pretty positive as far as um, as far as things go for Wheel of Time, the show goes, and I really liked that we got to see the accepted testing for Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like where things are kind of going for uh, showing the brutality of the Sean Chan and making us take them seriously right off the bat. Even if I am a little upset and disappointed about who has to be the sacrificial one-eyed lamb. And uh, yeah. um, other than that, um, one of my biggest takeaways from this episode is just that although it's not a direct page-to-screen adaptation, which we already knew, that this is kind of moving things along in a direction where I can kind of see where the end of the great hunt is going to be coming in coming together and how things are going to gel it's still going to be fall still going to be falma uh what about you mike what were your overall first impressions of this episode so uh, following the what i initially thought was the conclusion of the testing i (laughs) was very upset oh my god i was actually going to be coming on here ready to tear this whole thing apart oh yes like what the heck yes but i really like by the end of the episode obviously and i'm talking about naive you know they sort of did this sort of fake where they were like oh you think she's done testing she thinks she's done testing but she's not so not even gonna lie mike that happened i paused the show stood up stormed around cursing at the show's existence <laughs> and then i sat down and breathed a sigh of relief <laughs> after i, I saw gotta it. give him credit that that is one of the visions she had isn't it i'm not sure i don't i honestly don't remember every single we should have looked, uh, we should have looked oh, them up yeah. but we did maybe we'll do that before the next episode and we can recap on that but yeah i'm pretty i know for a fact that the second vision yes. like the second i remember that she one. had that one was pretty much direct. And then there was one where she was with land, but it was in the borderlands. Yep. But it's also hard to remember because they went through, they, you know, they go through accepted, then they go through I said I training and both have different distractions and, or visions yeah. or tests, I guess you could call them. But I, I really liked how they did that. I thought that was really well done. And I think, too, we got to see Leandrin. Uh, she was fleshed out pretty nicely. Now, this I'm just kind of going off to the side here. I've been reading. I've been trying to stay away from a lot of the rumors and news and stuff, but people were posting on groups that Elida. I heard has this. Apparently been cast. I heard this. That's going to be very intriguing to me because maybe Leandrin doesn't isn't taking all of uh, Elida's role. She's taking some of those things, and so that might be that might be a little more interesting. I think. 
Yeah, I've I've heard another rumor. Um, I'm I've tried not to give into it. Rumor has it. But I've heard that it's not Elida they're merging Leandrin with. It's Alviarin. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. That okay. But we'll we'll see. Um I will say we I agree see. with you hundred percent what you said so far though about Leandrin. I think that they're doing a really good job of flushing her out, giving her a lot mm-hmm. more depth than they did in the book. So she's being she's feeling like a much more full character. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and let's get into this a little bit. What whose storyline you want to tackle first? You want to go shortest or longest? <laughs> let's go longest short to long. <laughs> short to long. Well, uh, well, the short. Let's just go parent. Short one. Let's go parent. <laughs> yeah, parent. All right. So at the end of the last episode, obviously the Sean Chan had come and invaded this town. Oh my goodness! Someone made a meme, and this is just sticking to my head. So, do you ever watch the Super Mario Brothers live action from like the? Oh yeah, I did. Okay, Um, for those who don't know, just search like Dinosaur Man from Super Mario Brothers movie, and um, in the movie they take one of the human characters and like he gets a dinosaur head, and it's really derpy looking, and it's kind of like he was merged with a turtle or something. I don't quite remember. Anyway. But his face looks eerily similar to that of the Sean Chan's face masks. (laughs) And I was like, huh. And the whole meme was like, the whole meme was, uh, it was like, oh, the Sean Chan, did they get their um, stuff from insects, from bugs, from, or, you know, from different things? No, turtles, fear the turtle. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, that's too funny. I'm not a huge fan of those masks I after agree. seeing them a bit more. Like, eh. I do like the makeup. I do love Sue Roth and the just fingernail, like, glove thing she's got going on. All oh, that's very cool. I really like the brutality, like you were saying. I hated that. In this scene, you know, they're having everyone bend the knee and gonna say the prayer, or say the oaths. And they choose Uno to kill. And I know that why they did it, because we have a slight connection, and it's like, oh, man, like, not Uno, and, like, now we care. But at the same time, it's just kind of like, we also didn't get to know him well enough to really care. Exactly You should have just grabbed a different person and done that with it, and then kept Uno around. It just seems like a wasted death. So I'm going to chime in here, and I'm just going to kind of echo what you said for the most part. I really love what they did with Sue Roth. I think that she looks amazing. I love, like, the pyramid thing they're carrying her on. And I'm not sure if, like, people are noticing, but she has her slaves carrying her entire pyramid with her. So yeah. she's she's got that, and she looks like an <laughs> empress, even though she's not. Yeah, she's she does. a high lady. Even though she's not. But I really dig Sue Roth a lot. I think she's awesome. I really like what they did makeup-wise with the Suldam and the Damani. Mm. I thought that was great. I still think the Idom looks like a pacifier, and I don't really <laughs> like <does>. that. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. It does. I also, one thing I wish they had done, instead of throwing Uno onto the spike, which did show the brutality and it was pretty bloody and gruesome, I wish they had had the Domani like shoot down a lightning bolt and eradicate him. Because I think that would have been a really nice way to show the difference between... Between Aes Sedai and... and yeah. yeah, and the Aes Sedai, because then they could have been like, oh my gosh, 
that shouldn't have happened. Right. You can't use the power against people. They're not Aes Sedai. And like sort of that realization for our characters and that would have realized like made us realize like oh because we know since we've read the books that you know they're going to use the power as a weapon and that's part of their culture and i'm sure we're going to get more of that coming for like coming in the next episodes but i mean it really sh- that would have really been a really pivotal moment if you're going to make him die like yeah i kind of saw his face going into that spiky thing for a little while Whereas if she had just flicked her finger and then all of a sudden lightning came down and you just see like the, you know, the Suldam or whatever doing that or the Damani. So no. what I'll say about that as well is I think that would have been better than what we got. I did yeah. think that this did show, like I said, the brutality of the Sean Chan and just yes. that they're not to be messed with. But he, I have a couple qualms with killing Uno. First of all, I like Uno a lot. So setting mm-hmm. that aside, though. Why would you bring him back from the dead inexplicably just to kill him like this two episodes later? And then it's way too early. Like, why do we care that Uno's dead? Okay, yes, we saw him for like five minutes, maybe total screen time before. Yeah. No one that's a, a show only watcher has any attachment to Uno. So his death is meaningless. Correct. And honestly, that's why I said they should just grab the guy next to him and kill him. So, uh, who I think is probably going to end up being Masima. I think it's going to be Masima as well. Um, yeah. I will say as well, quick chime in here, the speaker that they had for Suroth reminds me mm. of Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy so much. Yeah, <laughs> and, she, she gives off those vibes. Yeah, I was like, I, I like kind of like the the sugary sweet voice with the you're going to do what I say attitude paired with it. So yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah, it was good. And while also in this crowd, you have um, the Damani and the Suldam going around and taking out girls. They're not really explaining what's happening, mm-hmm. but we know, we know as readers that they they could sense that this person can channel, and so they're taking them to become Damani. more of their Damani. Yes. So anyway, that's kind of, well, no, that's, that's not the That's just the, the first that. part of parent yes. story, yeah. They all bow. And then Perrin kind of wakes up later on in the in a cart by himself with Ishamael. And which I thought was kind of odd that he was all by himself. I'm, know, no I do else. as well. I'm wondering if Ishamael said that one's with me and yeah. did that. I don't know, but that was strange. Yeah. Anyway, and we have the wolves and Elias coming to rescue him. I'm hoping they killed the Damani and the... I don't know. I thought that was kind of... They sort of left that really open-ended. But the wolves... Yes. Wolves and Elias come to rescue Perrin. Um, The one thing I want to bring up about the conversation with Ishamael with Perrin. Mm -hmm. Ishamael tells Perrin, the more wolf you are, the more you belong to me. Kind of setting up Perrin's struggle with, I can't give in to the wolf brother power. I can't be a dark one's yeah. puppet. And so I think Even that was some so good, so far from the truth. I think it was some good mind games though, that Shamael is yes. playing with Perrin. And we know that's mind yeah. games. At least we think we know what's mind games as book Which readers here. Um, what did you think about Elias showing up with blood all over his mouth? Like he physically jumped on and ripped out someone's throat. 
I would have liked him to have his knife. He could, fine, that's fine that he did that. I don't care. But, like, he should also have his, like, knife. Yeah. He was a warder. Right. And so right. there should be still that piece of him. So I don't I don't love it, but... I just thought it was an interesting way to show that Elias is more animal than man right now. And I don't know yeah. if I'm the biggest fan of that. Um, well, I'm the biggest fan of I him, really I guess, love in general. His portrayal. Yeah, yeah, his portrayal. I'm not a huge fan of. In the book, he's so much better. Yeah, and I, I'm just saying in terms of how he's presented and everything else. Like he always seemed like a badass, and in the show, he doesn't. Like, seems okay, very he's aloof. On his mouth, like too aloof. Yeah, too like non. Kind of not flat. At all involved. Yeah, that. Yeah, there's no. He doesn't have any energy really. It's just kind of like there. Yeah. So that's the end of Perrin's So yeah, last line. we see Perrin, he's running off in the woods with a wolf. <laughs> Presumably Hopper. Presumably Hopper. Yeah. Uh, now let's get over to the second shortest storyline, which is Rand. Yeah. I actually really dug this episode in terms of him and Celine. Because it showed off that she is, she's still, she's still Celine. You know, they go to that. You know, he goes in and he has a conversation with Loghain. Loghain's like, I know you, like, I know you have a question for me and give me the wine. And he goes to get the wine and it's a whole thing. But my big, which is whatever, honestly, I thought all that was kind of stupid. The point was it was showing Rand in this King's Court culture, which he's going to be ingrained in at some point, hopefully, and how he sort of navigates that. And so I like that they brought in some callbacks to the book there. But I really liked how Celine, when he just left, and Celine saw him later, she like said, "If you ever do that to me again, I'll kill you." Yep. And he's just kind of like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna. It's so hot. Like let's, you know, have sex." And we're like, "She's not kidding." Yeah. This isn't a <laughs> kink. This you. is like her speaking the truth for once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She is going to kill you. Mm. And also too, like her, she's egging on him using the power. When he burns down that end, it's not even a second of like, oh no, the end. Like it's like awesome. Like so, I do want to talk to you about this scene really quick. So, did you notice that Rand kind of wakes up in the middle of all of that, and he's using the power? So, all of that was a dream. Oh, with fire. Yeah, with uh, with Celine kind of choking him, grabbing him, and them having sex in the bed there. And then her coaxing the power out of him. Oh. All that was happening in the dream world. In Teleron Yacht. Yes. Yeah. And then oh, he wakes up so and he looks down and he oh, sees wow, the tricky. powers going off of his hands and he starts the fire for real. I'm sorry. I'm glad you caught that. Like, that's that's great. I thought, okay. So, hmm. like, that's just solid, more so, like, solidifying that Celine is staying more true to her book character. Than, um, Love it. than what we had originally expected. And it took me, actually, two watches to notice that. Like, first watch, I didn't realize it, and then I watched it again with my wife, and I picked it up on that one. Yeah, you saying that, like, it's like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely. Wow. Okay, I love it. That's great. What did you think about... What are you, what are you thinking about Rand and Loghain? Um, knowing what we know about Rand seeking out a teacher later on in the book series. I understand this. I don't necessarily like it. 
Um, and I say it that way just because I don't know if, like, Rans should be at that point where he's accepting that he can actually channel yet. Um, I don't know, like, if he should still be kind of fighting it a little bit more than he kind of seems to. But he's, um, it almost seems like he's wanting to be like, okay, if I'm going to live with this, I need to know how to tame it and control it and seeking out help from somebody who should have experience with wielding the one power from the male side of the source. Now I'm going to disagree with you slightly because my takeaway from his interaction with Logan, Logan was that he wanted to shut it off. Mm. And Logan's just like, you can't. You can't. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so I think Rand's still battling with this. He's like, I need to stop this. How do I do it? And he's like, you can't. And I think we're still going to get that. Like, Oh man, I like no, I don't want to do this, but now he's going to have a teacher to help guide him when he's like there's nothing else I can do. So, and I think with Celine sort of pushing him to mm-hmm. using the power as well, that's going to be doubly important. So, I just want to <clears throat> go in on that portion again like with Logan potentially being Rand's teacher in the one power here. I don't thinking about what happens with Logan in the stories or in the books mm-hmm. that we know about trying to think about like how that could be rectified with uh with him being Rand's teacher if events play out similarly i mean i'm not sure but i think it would be good because it would flush out Logan more than he was in the book and mm-hmm. really he should have been flushed out more and, in the books I mean, for the important role he eventually got with the show as well speaking only about the show here Logan's actor is one of the best ones there like, I like yeah. him higher than almost every other actor or actress I've seen so far. So having more of him, if he's going to be, like, Rand's sidekick throughout the show here, I mean, more screen time for him, that's only a good thing. Agreed. I'm going to be interested, too, because going from this, not with Logan, but from this time, his time at the Kyrian and Noble House, how is that going to impact... <clears throat> the rest of this like the rest of this season it was such a short I'm betting time, he's gonna though. see Tom there I know but remember Kyrie Annan play the game of houses yep yeah, yep yeah. and we got that already which I love that they did so I'm, I'm gonna be interested to see how that sort of weaves in because he did not he didn't attend that meeting with whatever the fancy person's name was and uh, just burn the envelope. He'll get more. Right. I know that's going right. to happen. And so eventually things are going to unfold. I do definitely see a connection to, um, you know, what happened in. So I will tell you that I have watched episode four. And mm-hmm. of course I have. <laughs> but um, so I don't want to comment too far on it. But I kind of have an idea that I'll talk to you about after you have watched episode four and we're talking about that one. That will be tonight, so... But yeah, yeah. that pretty anyway. much sums up all of Rand's arc, right? Yeah. And now the big meaty one. What might be... This one with Nynaeve also entangles Egwene, Elaine, Leandrin, Matt, and Min. And so we have, obviously at the beginning, Nynaeve is taking the accepted test after on Leandrin's behest or her nomination. And Nynaeve goes through the three portals. The first one is 
a memory or her with her parents and her parents are being they're all being attacked by marauders and uh she basically witnesses her parents being killed above her Mm -hmm. and then jumps through the portal second one um was her oh gosh what was the second one it was her going back to the two rivers uh, waking up and there was some kind of plague going on in the two rivers. That's right. But it wasn't her that was the wisdom. It was Mrs. Coffin, who was the wisdom, giving everybody the poisonous red tea to just kill them because it was a better death than dying from the poison or from the the plague or whatever. Yeah. And then the third one is the one that tripped us all out because... It, she goes in and, it's, and then her falling in a red dress and everything else and it was kind of weird because I was like oh are they just going to kind of skip this one mm. for time's sake yeah. and just sort of give us flashes of like her and Lan and she comes through like she just killed Lan basically right? Um, and so I was like oh maybe that was alluding to them in the Borderlands that one or whatever uh, and so she gets washed clean, but then she ends up leaving. And then they're like, you will not be an accepted if you leave. And I was like, she just went through all three. What do you mean? I thought that was really weird. Well, plus should have accepted can leave the tower as they wish. So, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. And she just leaves, basically tells Egwene that she doesn't need her and um, meets Lan mysteriously outside in the forest on her way out of Tarvalon. Tarvalon. And... <laughs> And goes back to the two rivers. Later on, we cut back to her, and she has... She's a daughter. Had a child. It's apparently yeah, been like three Perrin, or four years. <laughs> yeah, Perrin and Matt are there. Merritt's looking swanky and rich, and mm-hmm. Lan is there, and uh, yeah, they're just hanging out before Trollocs attack. Yeah, you know, housewife Lan is there making some dinner, and... Um... Everyone dies except for her. <laughs> yep. And her, and daughter, her daughter, and yeah. the portal opens up, and she runs back through. But this is after Shiriam, Leandrin, and Leanne. Um, oh my gosh, Leanne, Leanne. Thank you, Leanne. All had basically said like, "Oh, she's dead." Yeah. So they've all and, they've all abandoned Nynaeve, basically mm-hmm. tossing it up that while well, she missed her one chance to come back, this is one more girl that's died taking the accepted test. Leandrin, this blood is on your hands. You wasted the most powerful Chandler we've seen in a thousand years. And this rolls nicely into where Matt's story picks up. Because Leandrin basically goes and tells Matt that he's free to leave. Doors open. And uh, he does leave. And she basically, but, you know, after she sort of berates him and says, you abandon your friends. You sit here and say they abandoned you. You abandoned them. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is true, and he's had it twisted, which he should have it twisted because he doesn't remember. Right, his the memory dagger, should be, like, tattered holes. Yeah, and because the dagger had taken so much of that when he was in possession of it. So he kind of leaves to go see Egwene, um, sees her crying and stuff, and basically decides not to let her know that she, he's alive. He gets men, and he's like, hey, you want to leave? And so they decide to leave. We do find out, though, that Leandrin and Min have sort of an agreement mm-hmm. of sorts, which I think is intriguing. I thought this was really interesting. 
like seeing and that Min was yeah. So I was very interested in seeing that it looks like Min was a plant all along on Leandrin's mm-hmm. side, where I guess Leandrin is like promised to help her get out from Moraine's thumb and like out of the eyes and eyes thumbs. And in exchange for that, she has to help her by doing something with Matt, some mission with Matt. She hasn't said the exact details of, but it's a very interesting way to look at it because it puts all of last episode's interactions between Min and Matt back into the forefront where you're like, wait, what was going on there? Like, was this entire thing fake or did Leandrin discover the holes and then like uh, approach Min afterwards? But shows that Min is Leandrin's agent right now and she's off with Matt to some some unknown location. Yes. What do you where do you where do you think they might be heading? I can't tell you. I've already watched the episode. Oh, uh, well, I think they're going to Falma. You think they're going to Falma? Okay. Yeah, I think they're all going to end up at Falma. I mean, that's just my thought process on that. I will find out, I guess, after episode Four. Yeah. But it also wouldn't surprise me, too, if um, they were to end up in Kyrian as well. So, we'll see. There has to be some joining of these little loose chains at some point here, and I think we're going to see it sooner than later. So, let's jump in with Egwene and Elaine here. Yeah. We see their friendship kind of strengthening, waning. It kind of goes back and forth here because... um, Egwene and Elaine seem to be buddy-buddy, and then Egwene gets news that uh, Nynaeve has passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, she's obviously very upset and just says, like, you know, you don't know me at all. And Like, who are you? Sort of Why put, are you even here? Yeah, <laughs> pushes Elaine away, which Elaine kind of gets, I guess. I think she does. And then uh, Egwene does confront Leandrin, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and you'll notice, too, like, she, Leandrin really never flat-out denies that she wanted Nynaeve dead. So <laughs> I thought that was very interesting. But Gwen's basically mortal enemies with Leandra now. <laughs> that, that's very Anything true. You add on that? Um, yeah, so I thought the exchange between um, between Egwene and Leandra and on the top of the tower there by the brazier. Beautiful shot. It was quite interesting because it shows Egwene has the backbone to her that we haven't seen yet. Um, as far as mm. standing up to Aes Sedai and not being the meek mouse doing all the cleaning and everything. But I think that Egwene also um, underestimates just how powerful Leandrin is. And I will just take note that while all the Aes Sedai we have seen so far do the arm movements to do the weaves, you know, kind of like pulling it together and then doing the weaves there, Egwene does not. Egwene mm. said it's harder for her to do the the spells or like the magic without doing the arm movements, but she likes the challenge. She said that in a previous episode. Um, yes. And then so when she lashes out at Leandra and she does kind of like a body flinch to like launch fire at her instead of doing the hand movement to do the the weave towards Leandra. And I thought that was very interesting, just based on some of the stuff we learn later on in the in the series. So it's kind of sprinkling that there. I like it as well. Anyway, so then uh, we, anything else you want to add with the Gwen or yeah? So the, the where they end up, <laughs> they uh, they end up going down to the 
the arches and Egwene's set to try to bring Nynaeve back. And she tries to activate the arches by herself, which she is unsuccessful at because it takes multiple Aes Sedai, I guess, to open the arches. Although, like, it looks like she comes close. Um, but on top of that, Elaine's like, Egwene, what are you doing down here, girl? We gotta go back up. I know you're hurting, but we can't be hanging out down here. We're gonna get expelled. And Elaine, Egwene's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm standing vigil, basically. And Elaine's like, fine, I'll grab the blankets. I'll be right back. So they decide to spend as much time down there as they're going to be allowed to. Yeah. And who should show up in the middle of the night but Nynaeve. And that's kind of the end of that episode, as well as Min and, I mean, Matt leaving and Min's exchange with Leandrin about their deal. So so I do want to talk to you about the, the reappearance of the arch inside the... Um, inside the final testing part here with Nynaeve and her being able to bring the gate back after it already disappears. Now, I do want to say that I believe in the books there was something like this that occurred. There was either with their accepted tests, and it was either her or Egwene. I think it was Egwene. Or it was... um, the test to become Aes Sedai. Yeah, I think it was Egwene during the Aes Sedai testing, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, the, honestly, they have so many, so much testing with these. T- <laughs> with these. Um, but yeah, so I thought this was kind of just a n- nice touch to sort of, one, sort of bring Elaine and Egwene's relationship together. And this was also a way to really get Nynaeve to sort of transform. You know, now she is going to have a reason to study at the um, at the tower because she realizes, like, if she doesn't, like, it, what if an illness befell her town? She would not be able to channel to heal them. What if she does run away from all this? Is there ever truly going to be an escape? Mm-hmm. No. And I think that's really important for her character because when we think about it, you, you like you said before, she was respectful to the Aes Sedai. Now that's going to give her that edge to be respectful because she's like, I need something from you. Mm-hmm. Whereas previously, she didn't have that. And I'm not sure if in the books we really got her reasoning for wanting that. Because she always kind of treated them with a level of disdain. Yeah, she fought it for a while. So I think this is a really nice way to transfer her from that original state into one that's going to be she's going to take the teaching basically yeah so i think just this really put Nynaeve through the ringer this last testing portion and i'm glad it did because talking with amy uh my wife about the first two testings she was like that's it that's all she had to go through that was weak she she was not impressed by the challenge of the first two of seeing your parents murdered in front of your face and then having your whole village suffer a plague and you not being able to help. Well, the second um, one I thought was a bit weak sauce. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But anyways, I think that this last one really stepped it up and was extra brutal. Just the fact that Nynaeve thought she was saving her daughter after living in this fantasy world for years and tried coming out and was empty-handed with just some blood on her dress to show for it. And... It was pretty brutal. Um, 
I do think that Nynaeve should have some consequences from this training. Aside from being raised to accept it, she should have a better idea about, like, what she could do to help the world if she is to become Aes Sedai. And I think, like you said, that may have an attitude shift. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I think that, again, this did show, like, the fracturing of the Elaine-Egwene relationship and then the coming together of it again when Elaine was like, fine, you know, I don't want to do this, but I'll be your friend and stay here with you till the end. Mm-hmm. And then finding Nynaeve coming back through the portal in the middle of the night. Forging a stronger bond. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And then they're all going to be besties. And then we're all going to be like, kumbaya, yeah. That's exactly what happens, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all... I mean, they still got to go to Falba. Yeah. <laughs> all three of them. Which I think is going to happen with Leandrin. Either Leandrin or they don't want to put it on her, then give it to the Aes Sedai that Elaine trusts. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, so that covers our recap here of episode three. So overall, Mike, what are you feeling about this season so far? What are you feeling about this episode? Like, what are your general thoughts about the series? I mean, I like that this this episode kind of felt a little bit like a course correction in some ways, where they're aligning more with the books. They're, how they're getting there is a little bit different, and that's okay. Um, I am a, still salty over Uno. They could have picked anyone. Why? Because uh, anyway. he had one bloody eye too many, and they needed to so. give him another hole in his throat. Yeah. They wanted to get the rating down for language. Yes. Uh, but, yeah. So, overall, pretty good. I'm intrigued with the Min and Matt storyline. I think that should be interesting. And loving Celine. I think she's great. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty much of a similar mind where I think that this was the strongest episode of this season so far. And mm-hmm. I think that although we like you said we are taking a roundabout way to get there, we're kind of heading in the direction towards where the books go and I'm enjoying that. Um, seeing how how it continues that trend will be very interesting. Um, and I am looking forward to talking about episode four with you. Yeah. All right, but that's going to do it. So for two nerds, we are signing off. See ya. Goodbye. <laughs>